Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 32. It's titled, Jesus Calms a Storm. Now, I really love these set of verses that we're going to cover today, and I have to be honest that oftentimes I crack up when I read these verses, specifically the part where they say, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And the reason I laugh is because it reminds me of my own moments of weakness, let's say, during trials that we all have, right? Let's dive into scripture. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27 says, and when he got into the Excuse me, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? So a few cool things to note here is it is a demonstration of the human side of Jesus Christ, right? Because he's sleeping, and it's the flesh that needs sleep. Another thing I notice is that the disciples seem to be a little dramatic. So to say, hey, Lord, we're dying, which is what perishing is, hey, Lord, we're dying, obviously they weren't to the point of death yet. It just felt like they were, right? So little dramatic, maybe. Hard to tell. But it just seems that way that may maybe overreacted. And maybe Jesus' response elicited that because he said he then asked, Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? So it seemed that he was a little irritated, and we'll we'll see this mentioned in the commentary. He was irritated with their their lack of faith and their fear. Not that they woke him up, right? He's not irritated they woke him up. The request was reasonable, but it was that it was that they had little faith. That was the irritation. And let's think about this, right? The disciples are with the maker of heaven and earth. Now, let me pause there. For those who don't think everything was created through Jesus Christ, let me go ahead and let you know what Scripture says about that. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, All things were made through him. So it would be fitting here, I also think, to point out that Jesus is the incarnate Word of God as well. And that's from John 1, 1. By the way, John 1, 1 is what inspired the daily Logos, by the way, once I studied what the Logos was. And we'll get into that when we get to the Gospel of John. But John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, Jesus is God. The Word was God. Simple. And this also points back to the multitude of verses that explain Jesus as God, such as John eight fifty eight, Truly, truly, before Abraham was, I am. So, Jesus was calling himself the great I am of the Old Testament. And, of course, there's Colossians 2, 9. The ESV says Jesus was the fullness of the deity in bodily form or the fullness of deity in bodily form, and the KJV says he was the entire, the entire Godhead in flesh. So that would be the Trinity walking. So pretty awesome stuff. And that's why he has power over the storm, the winds, the seas, right? Because he's, he's God. So let's go back to the disciples now. The disciples were literally hand-selected by the maker of heaven and earth, and they thought they were going to perish while Jesus was sleeping. Now, how many of us have been there? Let's change the story up and just apply it to us. Instead of a literal storm, let's think about an allegorical or a metaphorical storm that pops up in our life. Do we ever lack faith like the disciples? Of course we do. But our goal is to have less and less of those moments across time. And that's because we get our fear in check. The more trials we go through, the more steadfastness we have. And that's James. Um, he talks about trials producing steadfastness. So, And we need to remember that one of the four pillars of faith is trust. So we see here that the disciples didn't trust Jesus which is why Jesus said they had little faith. There was a trust issue there because they thought they were going to die. They had the conviction in pillar, the conviction pillar of faith, 
and who Christ was, and also the action to go wake him up, but they lacked, a, they lacked trust in that moment. That's the key issue there in that part of faith. So let's see what the commentaries say. The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. Jesus rebuked their fear and unbelief, not their request or waking him. We shouldn't think that Jesus was in a bad mood for being woken up. He was upset at their fear because fear and unbelief go together. When we trust God as we should trust him, there's little room left for fear. He spoke to the men first, for they were the most difficult to deal with. The wind and sea could be rebuked afterwards. So the commentary says Jesus rebuked, rebuked the disciples. So right now would be a good time to talk about the difference between rebuking and offering reproof. And it depends on the situation when you're supposed to use those. But we have biblical instruction for rebuking as well as offering reproof. Rebuking is harsh criticism. And in my estimation, maybe that could be someone who's extremely hard-headed. Who knows, right? I don't have a list. The Bible doesn't give us a list of here's the situations for rebuke, here's the situation for reproof. So reproof, there's a situation Paul talks about using reproof when a sin has overtaken someone. So if sin has overtaken someone in their life, gentleness, it's like spiritual surgery. Gentleness is used when a sin has overtaken someone. So like addiction, for example. Gentleness needs to be used with addiction, etc. Now rebuking, different situation. If someone isn't overtaken by sin and they're just not doing what they're supposed to, and even though they know what the right answer is, well, in this situation, Jesus rebuked them. So he wasn't dealing with a sin overtaking them. He was dealing with a lack of faith. So he rebuked. And that's a sharp criticism. Now, we don't have the voice inflection in here, but a gentle reproof would be like, you know, hey, we, we shouldn't do that. And this is what the Bible says about that. You know, something very chill, right? But then rebuke is more like, why do you have fear? Why are you fearful? Oh, ye of little faith. So there's an assertion. Rebuking has an assertion in it, right? And in this situation, because it's his disciples, it's his followers, right? He's like, you guys, there's no need to have fear. I am here with you. You do not have to have fear. So anyways, let's note on some other things that he captured. He rebuked them for their fear and lack of belief. And he wasn't irritated by them waking him up right? It was, again, the lack of faith that irritated them. And of course, in order, Jesus addresses the, f the faith issue first, then the C issue. So there's a uh, it shows a priority Christ placed on the situation. Let's tackle the faith issue first, then we'll tackle the, the C. Now, I want to touch on something brief briefly regarding the lack of faith. And this popped into my head when I was reading these verses. Why do you think people lie? A false witness is depending on the wording and the translation that you use, thou shall not lie or thou shall not produce false witnesses, so false speech. It's a commandment. So why do you think people lie? In my estimation, I think there's only two, two main reasons that other reasons kind of stem from. So I think one side of the coin is people lack faith. They lie because they lack faith in the truth, right? If they trusted the truth, let's say, and it seems crazy to have to even say that, if they trusted the truth, they wouldn't have to lie. But there's fear in there, right? So I think people lie out of fear and a lack of faith in the trust. Now, the other side would be the manipulative or maybe even the malevolent side where they're trying to literally twist the fabric of reality, right? They're twisting the truth. Not even that. It's not truth. They're twisting the fabric of reality to try to make it something it isn't regarding someone else's perceptions. So the faith rub regarding our speech is that the best path to the best possible outcome manifests itself when we tell the truth. Now, telling the truth is hard, right? So 
we have to tell the truth the best way we know how, or at least don't lie. And that's good advice from Jordan Peterson in his book, 12 Rules. Do your best, best to tell the truth the best way you know how, or at least don't lie. So if you can't fully articulate the truth, let's say, just don't lie. At least, by bare minimum, just don't lie. Right? And that's great advice. And that's, that's, a, that's the reason it's a commandment. So, and that's a gesture of faith. When you don't lie and you tell the truth the best way you know how, that's a gesture of faith in God's commandments and of faith in God and abiding in his love. Because he says, obey my commandments if you want to abide in my love. So it's a gesture of love and faith towards Christ. Let's see what else the commentaries are saying around, you know, the events in the storm. The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. So the men marveled. The disciples were amazed. Such a powerful display over creation led them to ask, who can this be? Well, it could only be the Lord Jehovah who only has his, this power and authority. And this is a Bible verse. This is Psalm chapter 89, verse 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging sea when waves rise. You still them. So that's a, that's a, a Davidic prophecy regarding the New, New Testament revelation of calming the storm. It's pretty cool to see prophecy saying that the Lord... God, Jehovah, is Jesus Christ in the flesh. It's so cool to see that. That means the New Testament matches the Old Testament. That's because they're both true. So here again is scriptural evidence that Jesus is God in an example of the prophecy in Psalms 89 written by David. Let's hit a commentary one more time before we summarize and close. The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. In the span of a few moments, the disciples saw both the complete humanity of Jesus in his tired sleep and the fullness of his deity. They saw Jesus for who he is, truly man and truly God. So we talked about that already, right? John 8, 58, John 1, 1, John 1, 3, Colossians 2, 9. And that's not all of them. There's a million. But it's so cool to have this story. It's chaos manifests itself, right? Chaos manifests itself. Faith was lost. Fear took root. Rebuking took place for corrective action from a leader by the disciples then rebuking the storm and then order was established so chaos fear rebuke rebuke order it's a perfect lesson because it's exactly what we have to do as christians in the christian community we have to have accountability we need to offer reproof and rebuke depending on the situation to get things back into order it's always godly order and righteousness and holiness that we should be pursuing. Now, I hope today was informative, revealing the importance of faith and the fullness of who Christ is. So let's hit faith again just to summarize. Faith is allegiance to duty, fidelity of one's promise, sincere intentions. And that's from the Bible, those three. The next four, or excuse me, that's from the dictionary, the first three. The next four from the Bible. Trust, conviction, action, and obedience. Now, regarding Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the incarnate word of God. He's the fullness of deity in bodily form, and he's the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And he is our only hope for salvation. That's all for today. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.